Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where our goal is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. The most recent news is showing that the median home price has declined. At the same time, we're seeing interest rates nearly double since the beginning of the year. That's leading to sellers reducing asking prices. Demand is drying up. So the real question at the moment is buying now or waiting. But really, what's the risk of buying in this market, Josh? I think that's the concern that most people have. It's not, you know, the people that want to own a home still want to own a home, even though rates have gone up, even though prices have flattened, that doesn't change the desire uh, to want to own a home. But the fear, there's a big fear in the market right now of buying a house. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about it in more detail, Josh. So let's talk about the uncertainty in the market, if you will. Absolutely. And Jeb, the, the funny thing is this conversation is not exclusive to, but more specific to first-time buyers. If you already own a home and you're deciding or needing to move, you have an employer moving you from California to Washington, D.C., and you want to be a homeowner, you own a home now, you're looking at buying a home in another market. Yeah, markets can vary, but overall, the, the risks are similar in each one, and homeowners want to be homeowners. Um, who we're really talking to is folks that are just entering the market for the first time because they don't own a home. They have the opportunity to continue renting um, and they generally have smaller down payments, smaller equity positions when they walk in to the home. So um, that the uncertainty for those folks is what happens next? What happens next in a number of factors, primarily home prices. Um, but the, the biggest mover here, Jeb, that we've seen this year is is interest rates you know at the beginning of the year the first quarter home prices were still appreciating rapidly while rates went up from three percent to about four and a half percent over 60 to 90 days and you and i are looking like this is kind of crazy why 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 would this not impact home prices um and it almost was a panic of people feeling like they were going to miss out on those ultra low interest rates and came in and pushed prices up so as rates have continued to go up through the year we see um, less demand in the form of what we talk about willing versus able demand. We always have, uh, especially here in Southern California, an unlimited supply of, of willing buyers. So willing demand for homes, but how many of them are able to do it at the current interest rates and the current home prices? So one element of that, that we have to be able to look at, it's almost impossible to answer, but where are interest rates going? If rates go from six and a half to eight and a half percent, then home prices are, are probably going to struggle. If they normalize from six and a half to four and a half, I don't think they're going to continue going up like we saw in the first quarter when rates hit that hit that level. But um, 
it increases the affordability. We have more able demand, more people who can take on um, those payments and it gives us more support for, for prices. So that's the, the number one thing, you know, um, is just where, where do interest rates go? But you do see, Jeb, a lot of talk in the media, in the news, social media, especially um, how home prices are going to crash. This is the highest home prices have ever been. They're going to crash. So w- when you hear that, Jeb, what's your response to that? Well, I mean, I think we're going, to, we're going to talk about that. I mean, it's affordability is clearly an issue, right? I mean, that is the biggest concern at the moment because home prices aren't really declining. I mean, you hear the news, you see the media, home prices are down. Okay, well, we just found out the median home price is down 2% month over month. Now, you know, I, I guess that's the second decline in, in a month over month reading in, in quite some time. So it's a shocking headline. But then when you look at where we were last year, we're still up over 12% in home price appreciation in just the last year alone, even with those declines. So home prices aren't crashing, but you know we, we both know it because we've been in the industry a long time, is that people worry more about the payment than they do the price, right? And so you know, payments or, or prices can be whatever. It's really the payment at what most home buyers are looking at. And so what where they've seen the shock is in that monthly payment you know we we've talked about it in in other podcasts and on video and what have you it's up considerably i I think the latest stat i i I read was that you know uh the the household media the the what is it the median income so the median household income to make a principal and interest payment on the average home purchase is now requiring 36.6 percent of that that household median income this is the the highest level we've seen i think since like 1985 or something something along those lines at the same time it's a 73 percent increase in that monthly payment um you know from from just a year ago where rates were were much lower so people are feeling that shock and and that's a concern but on top of that you know it's it's the crash talk. It's the, the uncertainty in the market, the, you know, we've seen rates rise. We've seen the hash, you know, the, the, the crash talk that's across all platforms, but then you've got inflation, right? We, I think this month probably going to see inflation go up again because gas prices have once again started to rise considerably. The fed is coming out saying they're going to do whatever it takes, you know, basically any cost to, you know, have this correction in the market, if you will. And a lot of people are, are, are taking that is they're willing to crash the market in order to get inflation down. We've talked about p- potential recessions. Where, where are we headed? A lot of people think we're in a recession now. And that those that don't think we're in one now thinks we're likely headed for one, which means additional job layoffs and people thinking that that's going to lead to additional inventory, distress sales, foreclosures, and create this, this crash, if you will. Now, Josh, you asked the question a minute ago, what do I think about all of that? I think it's a lot of headlines. I, I, I think once you read into the data, uh, there's less, you know, there, there's clearly concerns in the market, um, you know, with across all of the things that we just mentioned, but I'm not necessarily worried about a crash because you need excess inventory to create that crash. And I think we're in an environment where we've talked about it, where people are locked into their homes. Less people are going to be selling their homes. If you weren't going to sell your home at a five and a half percent rate, why are you now going to put your home on the market at a six and a half percent rate unless you have to sell that property and most you know people that i'm talking to are are staying put right they're looking at the market going 
it's it's more expensive to, to to buy that house because the price is higher than what I paid on it or I paid for my house. And at the same time, the cost on that mortgage is nearly, you know, two, three times what it would be uh, because of interest rates increasing. So I don't think a crash is coming, you know, a sideways movement to get us back to that 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 trend, if you will, that we've talked about before. I think that's more realistic. Um, so there are risk in buying, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, but you know, anything you want to add on that one, Josh? Yeah. You said a couple of really important things there. Um, the difference between a crash and a recession, if you want to make a headline, whether it's a social media post, or if you're going to run a teaser before the next segment on CNBC or Fox news, whatever it is, you're going to talk about is a housing crash coming crash is generally defined by as a 20% or greater correction. Um, we in Southern California have only had two of those. Um, both of them were um, characterized by greater than 40% of the homes in the multiple listing service um, being bank owned. And we'd hit like 70% in 2008. We do not have a recipe for that. Those are forced sales. Um, we don't have the overbuilding that we had last time, uh, although the builders are definitely um, sort of going to be feeling this more than the, the average home seller. If a home seller is not forced to sell, they can take their home off the market. Builder doesn't have that luxury. If you've built these homes and those timelines are two, three, four years out and that inventory is coming to market this year, um, they will have to discount uh, appropriately. But they also didn't overbuild nearly to the extent that they did, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever that timeline was. So kind of wrapping up all of the things we said we have uncertainty on, we have rising interest rates. Well, why did, why did rates rise? Inflation. Um, why did inflation get out of control? The Fed. Um, we have a potential recession. Why? Because the Fed is fighting to try to get inflation under control. Um, they have a dual mandate, um, full employment and 2% inflation. So they're trying to get inflation down to the 2% level. And it's going to be very difficult to do without increasing unemployment. Unemployment's currently at 3.7%. It would take an unemployment rate in the high fours to get us under a 4% inflation rate, uh, according to the best numbers that I've seen. And to get back down to 2%, um, we would need uh, unemployment up over 6%. So not quite double, but about double what it is. Those are still historically very low unemployment levels. And and they don't lead to distress in terms of, of people losing their homes. Because again, uh, in the Great Recession 2008, we saw a 10, 11, 12% unemployment rate. So still very low uh, long-term unemployment rates, but that's the uncertainty. And that's what we're trying to read and unwind um, in an environment where global economies are more intertwined than ever before. And we've got things like China and what Russia is doing in Ukraine and, um, you know, ener energy stuff, the stuff yeah. with, that we've got crushed the last few weeks because because the UK, they decided that they were going to do some stimulatory things for their economy, which were read as inflationary that were problematic for everyone. So it's harder than ever to project this stuff accurately, at least in the interim, to say what's going to happen in the next 90 days. If we look out one, three, five years, a little bit easier easier, but still um, not not easy by any stretch. Yeah. And I think there's ways that you can kind of insulate yourself, protect yourself a little bit when buying a house, which we'll talk about at the end of the video. But we've talked about kind of a market update, kind of a, you know, a, a, an overview of what's happening macro, if you will. But that's, you know, a lot of those things, quite frankly, Josh, don't mean anything to anyone buying a house. They just want to buy a house because they, they need a house or want to become a homeowner for whatever reason. And they have different things in mind, at least in my opinion. I think some of the things they're worried about is, is overpaying for a house, right? Buying a house uh, 
today and it being worth less tomorrow. That's that's a concern for a lot of people. Um, you know, you know, losing equity as, as soon as you buy that house. And, you know, both you and I know that you can't buy a house and and look at the value tomorrow. It's real estate is is for one, it's it's not really considered an investment. Um, but it's something that you need to have. But but secondly, or at least you need shelter, rather, you could rent or you can own. And we've talked about the importance of owning. But in this, we're going to talk about owning, you know, why not necessarily why home ownership is important, but we're not going to dive into the pros and cons of each. But in in this episode, we're going to assume that you're you're buying a house. And so you can't look at the value of your property every day. You're, you're, you're looking at that monthly payment. Can you make that monthly payment? And that's what you do. You continue to make it. I mean, I've told the story of me buying a house in 2012. I bought because it was the right time in my life. My wife and I uh, had just gotten married, had you know our first kid, and we were in a small apartment, a two-bedroom apartment. Um, there was really nowhere for the kid to play, you know, um, and, and we're active people like to be outside and it just didn't work for us. And so we started, uh, or in fact, my wife was really the one that, that got it going and found a property that she liked and ended up, you know, working out. And, and today I look back, we've been in that house 10 years. It feels like, you know, just a couple of years, we started this whole journey and now we're there. Home values have increased. I mean, I don't know what the percentage is. I mean, it's over 100% since we bought it. Um, but I never looked at the value of that property, you know, because I wasn't interested in selling it. I just needed a place to stay. I knew it was, you know, close to being less expensive to own that property than it was to rent. And even, you know, I can, I can, you know, um, confirm that today, looking at what it would cost to rent that property um, versus me going out and finding something else. But it was never about that. It was about, you know, the right time in my life, Josh. So I know you have similar stories, but it's it's really it's the fear of these things is what, you know, is creating this potential um, risk and, and and whether the risk is real or not. I mean, I, I guess that's to be determined. Yeah, there is it possible. It's absolutely possible. If you're a potential buyer, should you be aware of it? Um, should you take into account what are all the possible outcomes? Absolutely. Um, over time, we talk about over a long time horizon, over 10, 15, 20 years, um, we can count on about four to four and a half percent appreciation. Would I count on that over the next three to five years coming off of two years of, of double digit appreciation? I probably wouldn't. Um, would I um, consider the possibility of home prices coming down? Yes, uh, I would. Um, what I would say is if you buy a $400,000 home, you're gonna pay down about 1% of, of principal that, that first year, a little bit less than that. Um, and it goes up every year. So if we have a four, five, six, seven year time horizon, you're going to pay some of it down. If the market goes sideways, if it dips a little bit, you're gonna have a little bit of protection um, built in there. But that's, that's the key thing. It's just having a longer term time horizon. Anyone who doesn't know that they're gonna be in a, a property or could at least afford to stay in a property for five years, um, it increases the risk of the current market because something could change or, or, or go against you and you get into a position where you don't necessarily have the, the equity to sell because you haven't had those years of principal pay down um, and, and any potential appreciation. Yeah. So, I mean, so the, the risk is, yes, values could go down. Like you said, I mean, you're in a position where, you know, if you have, uh, you know, you put three and a half, five percent down and the market moves, you know, down 
3 5%, you're in a position where you essentially owe what's due on that mortgage. And when you go to sell that property, there's cost involved in selling that property, realtor fees, there's, you know, title and escrow fees, depending on where you are, maybe attorney fees involved. And so you're in a position where you maybe owe more on that home than it's worth. And that's why we talk about, you know, longer term time horizons, maybe buying a property that, you know, fits your life where you see yourself in, in not just right now, um, but where you see yourself in three, five years from now, that way, you're, 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 you know, buying a property that's a little bit maybe more than you need, but you're able to, to grow into it um, versus having to sell in a couple of years. Because, you know, Josh, they're, they're in reality, home prices are likely to move sideways for, for a period of time. Does that mean they can't go up? No. Does it mean they can't go down? No. But because we've seen so much rapid appreciation, um, you know, the nationwide numbers about four and a half percent over a, you know, a, a 65 year period. Whereas in California, it's more like six and a half, seven percent um, over that period of time. So, you know, when you've seen 35, 40 percent in a two year period, it's real, you know, it's realistic that you're going to see some pullbacks, just like a stock that goes up, you know, substantially in a market over a short period of time. In order for that stock to continue going up long term, it's got to stabilize, it's got to pull back. And that's, you know, in theory, what we're going to see in housing. Um, and, and it could mean a sideways movement for five years. It could be a sideways movement for 10 years where you just don't see a lot of appreciation. But the key to having a 30-year fixed mortgage or any fixed rate mortgages is, is that you're buying um, or you're paying down that principal every single month you make that payment. And so even though you're not coming in with a huge down payment, maybe up front, every single month you make that payment, you're paying down that principal. So over you know a five, 10-year period in owning that home, You've you've you you've made gains in that property, even in a market where homes didn't appreciate because you know you've got money kind of going into that forced savings that we've talked about. And you also fixed your housing payment. So um, regardless of what happens, I I'm quite confident five years from now rents are going to be higher than they are today. Five years beyond that, they'll be higher still. Um, rents don't have the volatility that the home prices have. Um, one of the things that you look at over time is just the ratio of rents to home prices. Um, home prices are high relative to rents, but not as, as high as they've hit at other points because rents have gone up so much over the, the last few years. So it is important that you manage and fix your housing costs. Owning is one of the best ways of doing it. That doesn't mean that you rush or make the decision to buy at a time that's not appropriate in your life. So Jeb, what are some of the measures that a prospective first-time buyer should be looking at to determine whether it's reasonable for them to become a buyer in the current market? Yeah, I mean, good question. I, I mean, I think, you know, it being the right time in your life, we've talked about that. What does that even mean, Josh? Like, what's what's the right time in your life? It might be different for you than it is for me, right? For me, it might be the fact that, like I said, got married, had a kid, needed a yard, needed more space. And for me, what I was able to get at that price was essentially more than it was going to cost me. I mean, was less than it was going to cost me to rent a property. And, and I was able to be a homeowner. So in, in that case, it was the, the the right move. Plus, we were planning on having more kids. We didn't know the time frame, but we knew where we wanted to be location-wise. And so that was the right move for us. And it, and it ended up being really, I mean, again, the I mean, it sounds cliche, but it was really the right move, the right time in our life to make that happen. And we didn't have this, you know, um, you know, this, this ultimate plan that just kind of, uh, you know, that we were 
you know, a certain date to do it or whatever, where some people have that. Um, it was just, it felt right. We did the right thing and it ended up working out. But what I will say on that is you're still in a market with, with low inventory. Okay. Even though you've seen headlines about inventory increasing and what have you, inventory is more or less stabilized. And, and what I mean by that is it's, it's not really going up or down in, in any significant manner at the moment. And so Inventory is still traditionally historically below the the 2017-2019 average, that three-year average, which was considered more of a normal market. So we have way less inventory. So you might be looking at the market right now saying, I want to be a homeowner. I'm just not finding a property that fits what I want. Well, now's not the time, in my opinion, just to go buy a house, to get into a house, to, to, to be a homeowner, even if it's the right time in your life. If you can't find the right one, then it's it's a waiting game until that home presents itself, in my opinion. You, you don't want to buy just to buy. You want to buy when it's the right time. And you also want to buy the right property for you and not be in that position. Because again, by waiting a little bit, you might find a better home. Um, it, But who knows? It might cost you a little bit more. It might cost you a little bit less depending on what happens to rates. So just make sure you know, you're know you buying the right house for you at the right time in your life. But we also talked about having that longer term time horizon, Josh. Why do you need a longer term time horizon? What, what does well, that even mean? Yeah, well, let's look at the flip side of it, Jeb. You had two separate clients over the last two, three years who bought a home that they were not happy with and they sold within what, about a year? Yeah. Um, and neither one of them got hurt because property values had gone up so much they actually both made money. Um, but they made an impulsive decision a home that was either a longer commute or that just didn't fit their needs. I had a client that bought, um, we talked about this on the show last week, um, that bought out in Hesperia and they're like, no problem. We can make that commute into LA. And within like eight months, they were like, this, this doesn't work. We can't, you can't spend two and a half hours both ways uh, on the way to work five days a week. You're talking literally like 25 hours of commute time on top of your 40 plus hour work week. And none of those people got hurt because home values went up. They made a little money on their house, put money back in the bank or, or went and bought a home. Is that normal? It's not normal. It's not normal. So let's say we, we, you and I talked about, uh, you know, the, the normal number is four and a half percent appreciation and that's an average. So some years are less, some years are more. Let's say you get one of the lesser years and your home value goes up 2%. My folks out in Hesperia did an FHA loan. So they put three and a half percent down, but an FHA loan has a 1.75% upfront mortgage insurance premium that's financed. So they only have 1.75% in it to begin with. So let's say it goes up 3% in that year and they've hit their max. They're like, I either have to get a job that's gonna be lower paying closer to the new home or I have to get back closer to uh, my job, which is the decision that they made. So with that, if if you only have 1.75% equity at closing, you pay it down. So maybe you have two and a half over the year and it went up 3%, you're at like five and a half percent. If you're really, really lucky, you're going to break even on that. So if we're going into a market where we think it could be flat, there could even potentially be a, a little bit of a downturn year over year. That can't be an option. So you need to be even more sure on the way in that you're not settling for a home, that you're not um, settling for a location that's too far away from work, that's too far away from the kid's school. We have um, single parents who need to be close to a former spouse um, for, for handing the kids off, any number of things. That it is very important for you to be very deliberate and think your way through so that you have that four, five, six year time horizon to pay some principal down, hopefully get some appreciation and be able to sell when the time comes for you to find another property. 
No, and on top of that, having some money in the bank, right? Not using every single dollar you have for the down payment, every single dollar for the closing cost, like, you know, having some reserves. And maybe that money is in equities or whatever, but just knowing that you have something that's tappable if you need it, I think is super important. Uh, and then really, I think the most important thing in the environment that we're headed into, I mean, this is always probably the most important, but more so in, in, in the uncertainty uh, of the market not stretching yourself on the payment, knowing what your payment is um, and being comfortable with it every month. You know, a lot of people, Josh, quite frankly, have a conversation with a lender and they say, Josh, I want to buy a house. What can I qualify for? And you say, what, what well, can you, I afford? Yeah. What they can I afford? And, and, and you say, well, you can purchase up to this amount, putting that down payment. And, and they go back and maybe they buy a house at, at that price, the max of what you told them without ever creating a budget, without ever, because when you're qualifying them, Josh, you're using gross monthly income before taxes. So you're not factoring in grocery bills. You're not factoring in childcare. You're not factoring in, you know, gas, any additional fees, any utilities in part of that calculation. And that's how people get in tough positions, right? Where, you know, they might end up, um, you know, being stretched every month. So create a budget, before you have that conversation with Josh, know what you're comfortable with or any other lender rather and know what you're comfortable with. And that way, again, you're, you're, you know, doing what we're talking about here and not leveraging yourself and, um, and being in a position where you're house poor, if you will. Um, and the last thing I would tell you, probably the best advice I can give in, in any conversation is when you buy a house, if all of those other things that we talked about, you, you meet that criteria, just, Focus on making the payment every month and live your life. Don't worry about the value tomorrow, even if values have gone up. I mean, I would tell you that to somebody that bought a house two years ago. If you were looking at your value, just watching it increase every day, getting super excited, what did it matter? If unless you were selling that property, it had no bearing on on the future, um, you know, today, if you will. So just make sure you're comfortable. Don't worry about the value. Live your life. Josh, what other advice can we give? along those lines, just helping to quantify that. If you buy a $400,000 house and say that historical average is four and a half percent, if we get half of that, 2% compounded over a 10 year time frame is going to get you about a 25% appreciation. So if you bought a $400,000 house, it's been worth about $500,000. You're going to put 3% down, 5% down. So you've got 20,000 equity when you walk in, um, but you're going to pay it down to the tune of about a percent a year. So say it, it drops 10, 11, 12% over the next 10 years, you're going to be sitting on 35% equity 10 years down the line. So if you do what Jeb said, buy a home you can be in for the long term that meets your needs today and tomorrow. Don't watch the daily fluctuations in the price. Make your payments and let inflation do its thing over the long haul. You will wake up and find yourself in a good position. And you will wonder, like I do, when someone new buys in my neighborhood and go, wow, that's crazy. Well, you know, 15 years ago, we were the new people in the neighborhood. And everyone's looking like, wow, that's a crazy price they paid for that home. That's what time does. When you stay in the home, you fix your housing costs, you make your payments, inflation increases the value, um, and you will find yourself in a good position with equity and fixed housing payment. So uh, really what you said, Jeb, is take take the long view and don't focus on the day-to-day -day fluctuations and make sure you're making a smart and deliberate decision on the way in. There you go. And what we'll leave you with today is don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? 
please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.